listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Hello, Faith Church and guests who've joined us as well. We welcome you to another weekend of study in the Word of God. And actually, we counted up, this is our 16th week, Joey, that we have been here Two of us have been here at the table and bringing God's Word to you from a, a little different format than usual. And that's significant because next week we hope to see many of you right here in the Faith uh, Church Worship Center. And we know all of you won't be able to come and you've received information on that. Please check that carefully in terms of the guidelines and direction for being involved. But we do hope to see many of you here as we get back to a little bit more normal. It really a won't be more normal. normal. Right. But uh, anyway, so this is yeah, a, this a is momentous the last occasion. One. Uh, this is the last one. I'm, I'm honored to be getting to do it with you. Uh, and you. I need to give a shout out, of course, to our team that has been making the worship at home happen mm-hmm. uh, over the last 16 weeks. So it's Lydia, been an amazing group. Yeah, yeah. Lydia Vickery, who has kept us like submitting all the stuff that's needed by the deadlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Kingsley, who has been putting it all together, formatting everything. Brittany, who has been here for every filming and uh, editing and putting stuff online and making it accessible on YouTube and Vimeo and all those different places. It has been a team effort and we are all ready to be back. To change back. To Sunday. Well, and to you and Jeff too, who've led the way and I know a lot of work, a lot of editing, a lot of thinking through uh, the best way to function in abnormal times. Yeah, so thank you, Joey and, and, and Pastor Jeff and Nathan for, for their yeah. part as well. So we've been in this series, mm-hmm. which I think will actually end next Sunday, yeah. but the series Life in the Spirit started from Galatians 5, a key passage, and then Galatians 5, 22 and 23 lists the fruit of the Spirit. We've uh, referred to them, I think, accurately as nine flavors of the Spirit, which, which are the fruit of the Spirit. And we've done seven, and we come yes. to number eight today, which is gentleness. Gentleness, okay. gentleness in the sense of also meekness or humility. Okay. Uh, and since we're going to talk about humility, I thought I would start with a story that um, highlights how, how great I am. How humble you are. Oh, okay. oh how humble I am. Okay. Yeah. How, yeah, so here's the story, uh, and this is a, you know, a memory from about 10 years ago. I was sitting in a room uh, in a church in Dallas, Texas, Grace Bible Church, and I was being grilled. Uh, four hours of questions on what I believe, why I believe it, why I think I'm qualified to be a pastor. It was called an ordination oh, council. Oh, yeah, I wish I'd been there. Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you weren't. Um, but I, I, I got done, and I mean, it was just harrowing. But I got done and one of the elders came up to me and privately said, we have never had anyone perform that well mm, great. before. Yeah. Uh, he's like, how, how long did you study? Where did this motivation come from? And I was like, oh, I've been studying for months. It all comes from a profound fear of failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In front of yeah. people that I respect. Mm-hmm. You remember last week, we talked about the, the story, the parable that Jesus told about the talents, about the boss who gave three of his employees or servants these large cash assets for them to invest and work, put to work, while he was gone. And you remember the high point of the story okay, is... It was about faithfulness. Faithfulness, yeah, exactly. Okay. We we're talking about faithfulness because the high point of that story is those two faithful servants who hear 
well done, good and faithful mm, servant. Words we all want to hear. A absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we love that part. And, and that's what I wanted to hear at my ordination council. Uh, I wanted to hear well done, which I did. And they may have even said good and faithful. I don't think they actually did. They may have meant that. But that wasn't faithfulness. Because it wasn't faithfulness in the way we talked about it last week, you know, laboring hard and long for the joy of bringing joy to uh, the, the person in charge, the master, the boss, the person who runs your life. No, that was faithfulness in that I was working for the fear of not being seen as valuable. I was being faithful from a sense of needing to outperform everyone else in order to be deemed valuable or yeah. worth loving mm -hmm. or worth conferring this ordination mm -hmm. on a um, natural desire yes sometimes well done good and faithful servant uh is what we want to hear not because we see ourselves as a uh, beloved child of god who worked long and hard and consistently for the joy of bringing joy to god we want to hear well done good and faithful servant because if if we're not if our work isn't seen as valuable then mm -hmm. we're not valuable yeah yeah it mm -hmm. strikes much deeper than just what we do to yeah. who we are. Mm -hmm. I need to hear well done so that I know that I am good, yeah. valuable, worth okay. loving. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, we all have that drive to hear affirming words from people we respect for, mm -hmm. for good reasons or well, for sure yeah. not yeah. so great. Yeah, it's a, it's a God-given part, a human part mm -hmm. of our, our makeup. I mean, we are built to strive for excellence. Yes. God doesn't do anything half-heartedly. And being made in the image of God, neither should we. We should strive for mm -hmm. excellence, pursue greatness, per, per, you know, prepare well, perform at our best. But when we substitute our work for our worth and we derive our value from people respecting what we do, um, we get tricked into this thinking that, well, we're only valuable if we're producing things of value yeah. or things that people okay. value. And mm. it, it just causes us to clamor for affirmation from anywhere we can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a this is a self-promotion social media age we live in, right? I noticed, Every yeah. like on Instagram is this desire to be affirmed. Every, uh, I mean, they're measures of this desire to be affirmed. Every share on Facebook, every every hashtag we contribute to on Twitter, every retweet and like, and all of those things that 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 are ways of just sort of measuring how much people value us, how much they value what we said, is how much they value us. And that's how valuable we feel we are. You go into offices and, you know, it's the corner office with the picture of shaking hands with the governor on mm -hmm. the wall, all of the diplomas and accolades and all out there on display uh, for everyone to see. We're, we're all driving for this affirmation. But so is there a problem with that? Yes, there okay. is a problem with that. If we solely measure our worth by how likely we are to hear, well done, good and mm. faithful servant. That doesn't make us humble or meek or gentle, to use the word that Paul's referring to here in the fruit yeah. of the Spirit, mm -hmm. gentleness. If we solely measure our worth by how well or how likely it is that we think we're going to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant, that makes us not gentle, but no, proud, hard, no, hard proud, hard, yeah. clamoring and clawing for affirmation and for words from others for the the paychecks and the diplomas and the accolades that will prove once and for all that I'm worth loving. So we need some help then 
to figure out what true gentleness is. Absolutely. And where Paul takes just this one word, gentleness, uh, of course, in other places, this word pops up all over the place in the New Testament. Uh, But we're going to turn to James chapter 3 because there, James digs into a bit what this gentleness or meekness or humility, it's variously translated, what this really is is. Now we, we are, as you said earlier, we have almost concluded our study on these nine flavors of the fruit of the Spirit with just uh, gentleness today and self-control right back here uh, next week to go. And this week, as we study gentleness and expand on Paul's use of that word from James 3, uh, 13 through 18, uh, we're going to start by looking at who needs this virtue? Because mm-hmm. this is how James kind of structures his discussion of this, this okay. fruit or this flavor, this virtue. Who needs ge- uh, gentleness? And then he goes into the opposite of gentleness. So he doesn't so much define it as he shows what it's not and then gives us some, some help on how we grow okay, in good. gentleness. So Looks like a great If you're ready, we'll jump plan. in. Let's jump in. Uh, James 3, 13 through 18. I know you all have read it wherever you are, if you're worshiping with a community group in a backyard or over Zoom with your friends or just with your family or in the car on your way up to mm-hmm. uh, wherever you're going. Uh, let's jump in to, to James let's 3. Let's do it. So first, uh, who needs it, right? Who needs gentleness? And, and to answer this question, I want to look at just the first part of James three thirteen. just the, the first part of this verse, because uh, he asked this uh, rhetorical question uh, designed to clue us into the audience he is intending to listen to what he has to say. He asked this question, who is wise and understanding among you? Okay, so of you readers, now, now who, who of you, uh, dear readers, are wise and understanding, or, or consider yourselves to be wise and to be possessing understanding? And Probably shouldn't raise my hand too quickly. <laughs> well, you might be surprised. I, okay. I think he's going to include all of us, and, and it's a little more practical and down-to-earth the way uh, James uses it, right? Who, who among you has wisdom? Who has uh, plumbed the depths of the human condition and contemplated the heights of the spiritual realm and have, has, has come back to this life with, with a real understanding of what it means to be human and, and how to do that, and you've done that, and you're able to um, you're, you're able to work your life towards the goal of what, what being a human is, is aimed at, right? Who, who among you has wisdom? You, you figured out how life works and mm-hmm. you know how to live it. Okay. Or who among you has understanding, right? The, the knowledge you've, you, you see through all of the rhetoric and all the bluster and all the facades that people put on and you really know what's going on in the world. Uh, who among you has opinions that everyone else should listen to? Uh, I'm, I'm just imagining all kinds of people that I know. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. All, all these other people. I mean, who but, among you knows how the world ought to be run? And if everyone would just listen to your key oh, yes. insight, okay. the world would be a better place. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 might, I might have to think about that myself. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, maybe not the world would be a better place, but certainly the church would, yeah. or the, the, the family would, or the home yeah. would, or the mm-hmm. office would. If people would just listen to what you have to say, yeah. everything would be better, right? Yeah. Well, okay, maybe I'm being a little bit overdramatic. It's um, pretty real. Yeah, yeah, not by much. Uh, and he, so he, in asking this rhetorical question, he's getting our, he's getting our attention and saying, hey, who, who among you all uh, feels like you have things that other people need to know and put into practice? Yeah, right? okay. And okay. that's not just limited to the church world. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, today, politics, 
um, the yeah. culture wars. Right. All these I things. mean, how much of our politics is simply whatever side of the aisle you're on, someone's standing up and saying, everyone on the other side is idiots, and if they would just listen to me, you know, we wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah. I mean, in the church world, it, it doesn't matter what denomination you're part of. Um, all of our sort of interdenominational discussions about what we believe and why we believe it, a lot of them just boil down to, if you idiots just knew how to read the Bible like I do, you would come to the same conclusions as me. Yeah. Right? Or in, in the family, in our families, like how much of our discussion about our in-laws and outlaws is really just saying like, oh my gosh, if they would just raise their kid like this, or if they yeah. would just manage their money like this, or mm -hmm. if they would just, you know, plan ahead like this, they wouldn't be in that mess. Bottom line is everybody has an opinion, yeah, they do. myself included. Yeah. And everyone believes that their opinion is correct or at least worthy of consideration. I mean, mm -hmm. myself included. Otherwise, I wouldn't hold the opinion that I hold. Yeah. I mean, you, or you'd change it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or I'd, uh, ideally, hopefully, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd change it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's okay. James is, I mean, it's okay to have an opinion. So uh, back to this rhetorical question James is posing, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, who here has an opinion they would like to share? Right. Here, who, who here has uh, some ideas that they think if others would follow, uh, things would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think everyone listening here, from, yeah. from the oldest and wisest among us uh, to the most whacked out, like my great aunt Velma telling me to put on socks or I'm going to catch a cold, to, uh, to the, the six-week-old right now who's uh, got a full diaper and just crying, if someone would change me, yeah. this would be better, right? Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we all are wise, think we are wise and understanding. Okay, so what does James do with that then? As he introduces it that way, yes. how can he help us? So he gets this audience and says, let me tell you what you need, gentleness. Who all needs it? All of us. Okay, so yeah, we need gentleness. Let's look at the rest of verse uh, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? James asks somewhat rhetorically. Well, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, in other words, uh, hey, if you have an opinion or an idea you want all of us to follow, uh, that's great. If you have the kind of wisdom that you feel is appropriate for governing the affairs of others around you, you know, in a home or in a church or in an office setting or uh, in whatever setting, um, then maybe before you share that opinion, let's take a look at your life. If your life isn't characterized by meekness or gentleness or humility. It's the same word, Greek word underneath these three various English, um, English translations. If your life and your character isn't, doesn't evidence gentleness, then you should probably rethink the wisdom of your opinions. It may not be the kind of wisdom that we actually uh, need here. See, James is arguing that real wisdom, the, the real wisdom that comes from God, okay. uh, and, and this is functionally equivalent to what we talked about in Paul in Galatians, talking about okay. life yeah. from the Spirit, mm -hmm. wisdom that comes from God. Right? Okay. Uh, wisdom that comes from the Spirit, that comes from above, James says, will always result in a life that is characterized by humility or meekness, or gentleness. 
I think that's a very important statement. Yeah. Why don't you say that again? The, the wisdom that comes from above, that comes from God, if it's really wisdom from him, it will always result in a life that is characterized by gentleness or meekness or humility. Maybe I should nuance it a little bit and say that is progressively becoming more characterized yeah. okay. by, okay. Uh, because there are many people that we know now who are hot-headed and mm -hmm. the opposite of these things who someday will be gentle Absolutely. in God's timing and, I, and his yeah. work. And I've known, known some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, hopefully I'm in that boat of moving towards <laughs> gentleness. But, uh, but I wasn't thinking of you. But <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, now, you may have noticed I used, uh, I've been using three different yeah. words. Um, so yeah, can't you decide what words you're going to use here? Humility, <laughs> meekness, gentleness. I looked in the NIV and it uses the word considerate. Okay, so yet another word. Yeah, yeah and there's yeah. a whole sort of pantheon of English yeah. words that are all trying to get at what is a really fully orbed Greek concept yeah. uh, or, or idea in, in the Greek language because it has these sort of three different aspects to it yeah. all wrapped up in that one word. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not a matter of you can't decide which word to use, it's you have to use all those words so and maybe even more Right. to really develop the, the to concept. To get the whole, yeah. the whole taste mm -hmm. of this particular flavor, I suppose. Yeah. So there's first the idea of, we have to use the word humility because uh, this question of, well, who am I before God mm -hmm. is part of this word, this Greek word that's yeah. behind meekness, right? So humility, okay. who am I before God? Then there's the, the meekness side of it, which is an appropriate understanding of who I am in front of other people okay. or in the yeah. presence of other people. Mm -hmm. And then there's the gentleness which is the knowing who I am before God and other people, this is how I interact mm -hmm. with others, uh, part of this word. So we, okay. yeah, this fruit or flavor of the fruit of um, humility slash meekness slash gentleness is what James is arguing is the inevitable result of, a, of, a, uh, of being given wisdom from God. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. good. So true wisdom, true spiritual heavenly wisdom is going to result in this type of, of character in okay. our lives. If we don't have that, what will show forth? Well, that's where he goes with okay. what's the opposite. Okay. <laughs> I mean, who needs gentleness? All of us. Mm -hmm. What's the opposite of gentleness? How do we know if we don't have it? Well, that's where he goes with us. What's yeah. the opposite? Okay. Uh, take a look at verse 14. Uh, he says, but, here's the contrast, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, in your hearts, then don't boast and be false to the truth. In other words, um, if your life is characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition or ambitious selfishness, uh, then don't try to pass yourself off as the type of person who has this heavenly wisdom. Uh, that would be uh, false to the truth and boasting. Uh, if if you, you think you have wisdom to share, but your life isn't characterized by meekness and gentleness. Instead, it's characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Mm. You don't have heavenly wisdom to share. Yeah. Okay. You don't have the kind of heavenly wisdom anyway that's actually made a difference in your life. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know that sounds harsh because very few of us would classify ourselves as bitterly jealous and selfishly ambitious, right? Raise your hands at your homes if you feel like those describe you. But as always, there's more behind those words than simply appears on, on the face of it. Um, bitter jealousy is really this drive to put yourself out there, uh, to be seen, to be recognized, to be uh, acknowledged as the one who should be listened to, right? to be, you know, I need to be seen as an expert, as 
top five in my field mm-hmm. as the as the valedictorian as the greatest of all yeah. time whatever it doesn't matter what i just need to be the best yeah that's mm-hmm. that bitter jealousy and selfish ambition it goes even further because it, this is this whole area of building factions and rivalries and dissensions so that you can exploit those kind of power dynamics in order to promote yourself or to get ahead uh, it, it's it's the person who um, is constantly shifting alliances. You know, you're going into a meeting and you pull somebody aside and you're like, hey, I just need to know that you've got my back in this meeting, right? Or I don't know if you know, but Tony down in HR is is a real problem and anything he suggests, right? So it's the person who's doing that or it's the um, it's the friend group that's shifting alliances all the time, right? Well, I talked to him and he said it was her fault. So, well, I talked to her and she's, you know, and well, I don't know that you can actually trust so-and-so because, you know, right? And so, I mean, the selfish ambition is putting your thumb on the scale to try to get your idea using your positional authority or your relational authority in a room or just your, you know, the, the sense that people will listen to you or using your passive aggressiveness or whatever to like get your idea uh, across as, as the one that should be. I yeah. mean, all of these, yeah. this is all the coming from the sense of I need to be the one whose opinion is seen as the one. Yeah as the person who's right. Want to be the hero. Yeah, Yeah. my way or the highway. Yeah, so yeah, that doesn't sound very good when you describe it that way. Not good at all. And James goes on to describe the kind of quote-unquote wisdom, if you're just listening, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, the kind of wisdom that leads to bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. And demonic. That's, that's strong. I mean, yeah, this is not real wisdom. It's phantom wisdom. So he's really contrasting what Paul does in Galatians in terms of the uh, deeds of the sinful nature yeah. contrasted yep. with the fruit yeah, of the Yeah, it's the same kind of yeah. contrast going yeah. here. And, and um, James goes on to say, like, in this type of... Um, with this type of wisdom, there will be, in verse 16, he says, there will be disorder in every mm. vile practice. So the consequences are grave. Yeah, there yeah. will be disorder and every kind of evil, wicked habit will be put into practice. Yeah. Things okay. will break down. It will be inevitable and all of these wicked habits will come up. Yeah, okay. So we began this section asking the question, what's the opposite of mm-hmm. gentleness? Okay. And the answer is... Nothing good. Yeah, and then so then we go to how do we right. grow? How in gentleness? do we grow? Now, hopefully, yeah. that previous explanation is enough to convince anyone listening that, that we as Christians are all called to grow in gentleness. Who needs this? All of us, because okay. we all think we have the answers. Okay. But if we give in to what we just think are the answers, well, then the opposite of gentleness is going to grow in us. This. Um, this selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, okay. leading to every kind of wickedness. Okay. Um, so we, we have to grow okay. in gentleness simply to maintain and grow the, the unity of the church, another one of the, the gifts of God's okay. Spirit. Okay, so then how do we grow in this virtue of gentleness and meekness and humility? Humility. And, uh, right, yeah. the whole range. Yeah. So, so, well, I, I think for starters, um, we need to take every aspect of this this word we're translating mm-hmm. variously as humility slash meekness slash uh, gentleness. Uh, take each aspect of that word and ask ourselves, how how is this playing out in our lives? 
right? So humility is who we are before God. Uh, meekness is how we see ourselves before others. And gentleness is how we see ourselves before God and before others working itself out in the way we conduct ourselves. Okay. Okay, so let's start with humility. Yeah. Who am I before God? Who are we before God? And to answer that question, uh, I actually want to take us to the Old Testament, to okay. a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 43. Okay. Everybody yeah. turn to Isaiah 43. That's right. Put a finger in James 3 so you can come back there and turn to Isaiah 43. And so as you all are turning there... Um, Great chapter. You remember I said at the, at the beginning, I love this chapter, uh, I said at the beginning of the sermon that if we derive our sense of value from hearing people say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's going to make us hard and grasping and clamoring from affirmation wherever we can get it, whether we deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. We, just, we just need to hear a good job mm. so that we, we need to hear, we need the words good job because to us it means you're a good person, yeah. you're valuable, you're yeah. worth loving. Hmm. This passage is the one I constantly send myself to, to remind myself that before God says to me, well done, he first says to me the words in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 1. These are words that were originally written to to Israel, but are applied to us uh, in Jesus. Look at at what God says in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Uh, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, the one who's intimately involved in our very existence, what does he say? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Wow. There's a pretty important statement about our identity. Yeah, and if you jump down to verse 4, he says, Mm -hmm. because you are precious in my mm-hmm. eyes, and honored, and I love you. You are precious in my eyes, and you are honored, and I love you. Before God says to us, well done, good and faithful servant, he says to us, uh, I formed you, I made you, I know you, I love you, you are precious in my eyes, and worthy of honor. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do you know who you are before God? If, if you look in the mirror and, and say, who I am before God is the sum total of what I produce for him, that will not grow in us the gentleness or meekness or humility uh, that God is calling us to, that Christ is calling us to, that it comes from a life in the Spirit. We have to look at ourselves before God and, and know that um, who we are before God is not defined by what we do. Uh, it's defined by who he says we are, how valuable he says we are. So if we're depending on what we do for God, it will lead to either complete despair mm-hmm. or to pride. Or pride, yes. Yeah. It, it'll all come yeah. down to how well you think you're doing. If you think yeah. you're doing great, well, pff, gosh, man, God's lucky to have me. And if mm-hmm. you think you're doing poor, it's just this utter despair. Woe is me, of, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And this is so subtle because you can put on... The, an outward appearance of humility and meekness and gentleness and try to act. You can try to be humble because you want God to um, think highly of you mm-hmm. for being humble. Uh, it's not, in that, in that case, it's not true humility because mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not doing it because of 
who you are before God. You're doing it in order to have God be happy with who you are. Yeah, okay. So that this, it, it's, so this it can be insidious. A, These words, you yeah. are precious, you are honored, and I love you, come before anything we mm. do. And those words have to be driven deeper into our hearts yeah. than well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, good, good. So who are you before God? You have to ask yourself this question. Who am I before God? Who do I think I am before God? Am I just a series of failures hoping to scrape by a well done? Or am I a beloved child of God um, working for the joy mm. of bringing joy to him. Yeah. Hearing, you know, every morning as I wake up and every night as I go to sleep, you are precious in my eyes. Yeah. I'm honored and I love you. Yeah. Mm. That's humility. We will not, mm -hmm. uh, we will not grow in this full kind of orbed fruit gentleness slash meekness slash humility until we get the humility part right. Who are we before God? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So that's the first part of it, the first aspect of it. The second one is that meekness aspect. Who are we before one another? Okay. Um, this is also critical. Uh, and stay in Isaiah 43. I mean, you go down a couple more verses to verse 11. Uh, it's where God says, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. And the word Savior, of course, implies that Israel needs saving. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, they, they don't need a savior, right? Yeah. Now, how exactly they need saving that it's hinted at in earlier verses. I skipped over using words ransom, like I have ransomed people for you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that idea of paying a price to earn back or gain back, buy back what is yours. Right. Okay. So these are all gospel. This, these are all gospel words. Exactly. These yeah. are, these are yeah. themes that are picked up and repeated throughout the New Testament. And yeah. savior is a title that's given to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so track with me on the logic here. Um, before God, we are precious mm -hmm. and honored and loved mm -hmm. and need saving. Okay. Okay. Got that. Each of us needs saving. Not one of us needs saving any less or any more than any other. Mm -hmm. um, not one of us is more capable of contributing to our saving any more or any less than any other. Uh, in fact, we're not capable of contributing to our saving at all. That's why it says, I am the Savior, there is no other. Yeah. Right. There is no Savior besides me. He, God does all of the saving. Um, so before God, we are precious, honored, loved, and lost, and bereft, and in need of saving. All of us. All of us are in the exact same position before God, which means we are all equal. Before one another, this is where meekness comes in, our understanding of who we are before one another None of us are any better or any worse than anyone else. None of us are any more deserving or undeserving of God's grace. So there's no ranking, there's no comparing. Else. It's yeah. all have sinned yeah, and right. fell short of the glory of God. To put it bluntly, you are no better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, you are no better than the, uh, the homeless guy downtown living in a cardboard box, uh, strung out on opioids, and breaking the heart of his family mm -hmm. uh, every single day he doesn't come home. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that's true intellectually, but why do I feel the opposite when I walk by him? I think if I knew the answer to that, I would, I will have, I would have grown more in mm -hmm. humility than, than I have. Mm-hmm. 
I That's wish I could give the you an answer. ongoing challenge of really growing in spiritual fruit and living the life of the Spirit because we keep falling back to that. Mm-hmm. Don't despair. Right. There's always opportunity to grow. <laughs> Don't despair, but don't. And this, this is exactly. And yeah. that's the point of meekness is, okay, you know what? You're not any better mm-hmm. than that guy. You're not any better than the career politician who's uh, built his life on empty promises or the mm-hmm. executive exploiting um, loopholes in the financial system. That might be harder than the guy that's homeless downtown. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the hardest one. You're no better than the partisan hack on the other side of the aisle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You're no better than any of those people, mm-hmm. but you're also no worse. Yeah. Okay, you're no worse, and this is where meekness meekness is the appropriate understanding of who we are because of who we are before God. We understand who we are before everyone else. No better, no worse. No more deserving of love. No less deserving of love. No more valuable. No less yeah. valuable before God and before one another. That's that's the meekness. Yeah, um, because when we know who we are before God and before one another. Mm-hmm. When you know that you're no better, mm-hmm. and, and I mean really know that you're no better than, than the guy downtown or, or the exploitative boss or the partisan mm-hmm. hack, that softens you. Yeah, yeah. It, it gentles you. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates the fertile ground within which gentleness can, mm-hmm. can actually grow. It's, yeah. The image that just kept coming to mind to me is the, the rough... Uh, worn and calloused hands of a, of a farmer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just I can, holding yeah. a baby chick. I can, I can picture that as yeah. you say it, yeah. yeah that, mm-hmm. That's what, knowing who we really are, it, it, it gentles us down to the point where we can hold one another mm-hmm. softly. Yeah. Even people we would otherwise look down on, because mm-hmm. we're no better than they are. Yeah. And even people we would look up to, because mm-hmm. they're no better than we are. Yeah. We're all equally fallen, equally loved, equally precious, equally vile. Yeah. Mm. And that allows us to then, with that humility and meekness in mind, to treat one another gently, to treat one another softly, for there to be a real um, firmness of conviction and softness of touch. Uh, it's something that Jesus exemplified incredibly well. And, and it's interesting to note, meek is not a word ever applied to God in the Old Testament, but it's a word that Jesus very clearly says, take my yoke upon you. This is in uh, Matthew 11. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, gentle. meek, and lowly. That's actually the word humble. I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Learn his ways of being gentle and humble, meek and lowly, and you will find actual uh, rest for your souls. Uh, following the guidance of the one whose hands were soft enough to heal with a touch yeah. and hard enough to flip over tables. Yeah, wow. Mm. That's meekness yeah. and gentleness and humility. Look back at the very ending of this passage uh, that James has, uh, that we've been studying in James, James 3, uh, 18. He, he finishes off, well, there's this great hymn to, uh, um, this great hymn to wisdom that we've, we've had to skip over. Uh, but in verse 18, uh, he quotes this kind of common saying of his time, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In this argument, I mean, he's capping it off by saying only the gentle, the, the humble, the meek, 
will have the strength to reap a harvest of righteousness, to see the world become what God has designed it to be, to, to, to just these in little pockets and little ways as meek, gentle, humble people of God led by the Spirit uh, work, and, and, and I should say who know who they are before God and know who they are in front of everyone else and live that out uh, in soft, firm ways. Uh, the, the world will slowly look more like what God designed it to be. Only the gentle have wisdom worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Tom, why don't you pray for us, uh, for the Spirit to grow this gentleness in us. Okay, thank you, Joey. Appreciate your help today. Let's bow in prayer. Uh, Lord, we um, have, uh, I trust, been appropriately convicted by your Spirit in our own hearts as we have recognized our own uh, tendency toward uh, pride, selfish ambition, um, our desire to be thought of as wise and understanding, and at the same time been reminded of who we are uh, in Christ as Isaiah expressed, that we are accepted uh, not because of what we've done, but because you have chosen us, you have chosen to love us, you've put your love on us and called us to yourself. And then to do that transforming work, the new birth, and part of what comes forth when a person is truly born again is the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so, uh, thank you for uh, these uh, weeks we've had and as we look ahead to next week and completing this uh, series on the fruit of the Spirit, I pray that you will continue to change our hearts, uh, humble us before you, give us the true joy of what it means uh, to, to becoming more and more like our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for his work, his saving work, and his transforming work in the lives of each one of us. We praise you in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. See you next week.